Oh, thank you, Father. When he walks into the room, everything changes. I don't know about you, but I just know where my life was in 1993 before I was born again. And I can see my life now. And I'm telling you, I am forever grateful that I allowed him, I yielded to him to walk into my life. That's, that's, that's a word I think, um, I think would be beneficial for us to learn a little bit more about. And that's that word yield. Yield. You know, I, I want to I be yielded to the Holy Spirit. I want to yield to what God wants to do. I, I think even through, through this process and things going on, we, we constantly have to not yield to our emotions. Right? Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. It was a number of years ago, um, the Lord ministered something to me. And he was talking, he talked about revival and he talked about to me, he said, he said, Justin, there needs to be a personal revival. There needs to be a corporate revival and there needs to be a community awakening. And so that was a number of years ago. And, uh, back in February when I was teaching on the life of faith and especially it started on Wednesday nights. And as I was referring to this life of faith, the Lord said, a life of faith is what brings about a personal revival. You know, as I, as I begin talking about revival this morning, uh, uh, you know, we have this concept as a revival is, you know, I, I grew up in a denominational church and, 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 and so we would have every year the same time we'd have revival meetings. And so it was like only God could show up on those meetings. So, you know, it was like, hey, God's going to show up on those meetings. God, you have three days to show up, you know. And, and so that was this idea and this aspect of what revival was. But the Lord said there needs to be a personal revival. You see, a life of faith is all about taking you to another level in your life. So if you go to another level in the life, then another level in your life, you were revived. You, you, something happened, something took place. Right. And, and so what the Lord was speaking to me about this back in, uh, reminded me of it back in February as a teaching on this, he kept speaking. He said, he said, Justin, there needs to be a personal revival. There needs to be a corporate revival. You see when the personal, see, we can't have a corporate without the personal, See, the personal, your personal relationship with God, your personal pursuit for God, and you bring that into a corporate setting, brings about a corporate revival that then in turn brings about a community awakening. See, there's people out there in the world, they, 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 they need to be awakened to the things of God. You know, they don't need to be revived if they haven't been vibed already. If they're not born again, then, then they need an encounter with the creator to make them a new creation, right? Amen. And so, so talking about revival, I looked up some definitions about revival. It means recovery of life. It means to return to activity from a state of tiredness, fatigue, weariness, oppression, and heaviness. It means recover from a state of neglect. It means to recover from a state of being unimportant. I I come across so many people that they just feel insignificant. They don't feel like they matter. Their life matters. But according to revival, it, 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 it causes you to return to the fact there's something more important. What is revival? It's a renewed active attention to spiritual things. It's something becoming popular once again. 
It's a reawakening to spiritual fervor, which is a renewed passion. Revival needs to take place in our lives personally. Like I said, one of the definition is to return to activity from a state of tiredness, weariness, or oppression. As I look over the things happening and whether it be social media, the news and things happening, uh, hearing people I know talk, hearing things that they're saying, hearing, hearing hurt in hearts, there's this tension. There's this oppression. There's this heaviness that is resting over our society this morning. That's been resting on our society for a long time. There's a heaviness. There is a weariness and revival is about recovering from weariness, recovering from fatigue. Came across a prophecy in Kenneth Hagin's book in the, in his book called, I, I, I believe in visions. And he wrote this and this vision happened back in the 1950s. And the book was written in, I believe in the early eighties, mid eighties, but he talked about a lot of different visions that he had. So he summed some of them up with different things that encountered, but I want to read this to you. So just bear with me and just open your hearts. He says, as I looked to the West, I saw what appeared to be a tiny dot on the horizon. It was the only moving thing I could see as I watched it grew larger and came towards me taking on form and shape. Soon I could see it was a horse. As it came closer, I could see a man upon the horse. He was riding toward me at full speed. As he approached, I could see he held the reins of the horse bridle in his right hand and his left hand high above his head. He held a scroll of paper. When the horseman came to me, he pulled on the reins and stopped and I stood on his right. He passed the scroll from his left hand to my right hand and he handed it to me. As I unscrolled the scroll, which was a roll of paper, 12 to 14 inches long, he said, take and read. At the top of the page in big, bold black prints were the word war and destruction. He goes, I was struck dumb. He laid his right hand on my head and said, read in the name of Jesus Christ. I began to read, read that was written on the paper. And as the words instructed me, I looked and I saw what I had just read about. I mean, he could get a vision of it. First, I read about thousands upon thousands of men in uniform. Then I looked and saw these men marching wave after wave of soldier marching as to war. I looked in the direction they were going. And as far as I could see, there were thousands of men marching. I turned to read the scroll again and then looked and saw what I had just read about. I I saw many women, old men with snowy white hair, middle-aged women, young women, teenagers, some of the young ones and held their babies in their arms. And all of the women were bowed together in sorrow and were weeping profusely. Those who did not carry babies held their hands on their stomachs as they bowed over and wept. Tears flowed from their eyes like water. I looked at the scroll again and again I looked to see what I read about and I saw I saw the skyline of a large city looking closer I saw the skyscrapers were burned out holes and portions of the city were laying in ruins it was not written that just one city would be destroyed burned in in ruins but there would be many such cities then he said this it's America's last call the scroll was written in the first person. It seemed as if Jesus himself were speaking. I read America, America is receiving her last call. Some nations already have received their lost call, last call and never will receive another. Then in large print, it said the time of the end of all things is at hand. This statement was repeated four or five times. Jesus also said this was the last great revival. 
He went on to say all the gifts of the spirit will be in operation in the church in these last days. And the church will do greater things than even the early church did. It will have greater power, signs and wonders than were recorded in the acts of the apostles. He said that we have seen and experienced many healings, but we will now behold amazing miracles that have not been seen before. Jesus continued, more and more miracles will be performed in the last days, which are just ahead. For it is the time for the gift of the working of miracles to be more in prominence. We, we now have entered into the area of the miraculous. Many of my people will not expect, expect, accept the moving of my spirit and will turn back and will not be ready to meet me at my coming. Many will be deceived by false prophets and miracles of satanic origin. But follow the word of God, the spirit of God in me, and you will not be deceived. I'm gathering my own together and preparing them for the time is short. There were several other, other exhortations to watchfulness, to awake and to pray and not to be deceived. And then I read, as it were in the days of Noah, so also be coming in the son of man be. As I spoke to Noah and said, for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. So today I'm speaking in giving America her last warning and call to repentance. And the time that is left is comparable to the last seven days of Noah's time. Judgment is coming. Remembering Kenneth Hagin's prophet. Um, oh, I think I'm. Thank you, Father. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. I looked to the scroll again and again. I looked and I'm warning this generation as Noah did. For judgment is about to fall. These sayings shall be fulfilled shortly for I'm coming soon. Jesus repeated, this is the last revival. I'm preparing my people for my coming. Judgment is coming, but I will call my people away even unto myself before the worst shall come. But be thou faithful. At the time I had this vision, this now he's speaking in present. He said, at the time I had this vision, naturally I interpreted the scenes to mean that America would experience the devastation of war. However, when I see the things that happened in the 60s, with the television and the newspaper photographs of destruction wrought by student rebellions and race riots in the 1960s, I realize that these scenes are the partially the fulfillment of these visions. This is what is important not to place your own interpretation. Those who were present that night under the tent said, I read the scroll aloud for about 30 minutes. I cannot remember all of it. I handed the scroll back to the writer and he rode away. And I heard this voice again say, come up hither, come up. I read that because I want us to know the time and seasons we're living in and how we have to be awake and we have to be alert to what God wants to do. Revival. Friday morning, I, I woke up and seeking the Lord. I, I actually, I woke up and I heard, I heard a statement and I, I minister this today in just in obedience and I minister this today, not in to go along with a phrase that is being communicated across the nation. You know my heart. If you've been here long enough, you know, you know my heart as a pastor. I don't, I, don't, I don't preach things based on necessarily societal norms, things that are happening, things being said. But when I woke up Friday morning, the Lord read a phrase. He, he spoke a phrase to me. So hear my heart when I say this phrase. 
He told me the phrase, he said, I can't breathe. And like I said, I'm not preaching this. Please hear my heart, okay? I'm not preaching this because because it's a travesty of what took place. It's a travesty of what happened. So please don't hear me belittling or trying to go along with social norms in any way because the Lord wants to minister to us today. You see, every outcry in the natural has a spiritual root. I can't breathe. And I'm like, Lord, what? I can't breathe. He's like, I was like, you can't breathe. He said, he said, he, he goes, no, he goes, it's the spiritual state of humanity. I can't breathe. And the Lord just gave me several illustrations. He said, he goes, my people are overwhelmed. And he gave me just several, several things. And he, he brought me back to times that I would run, run long, distance and, long distances and have to do sprints and, and those things. And, and as you're running and you go harder and harder, faster and faster to such a point that your, your heart can't keep up. And, and, and oxygen, your heart can't keep up with the pace. And therefore, long, your blood can't produce oxygen throughout the rest of your body. And because it can't do that as you're running, you bend over and you can't breathe. I, I think about people that I've ministered to and dealt with that had panic attacks and panic. What are panic attacks? It's fear that all of a sudden triggers something in the body that causes the heart to race to all of a sudden. Now you hyperventilate and you can't breathe. Think of even a small child that gets corrected, a small child that, that, that you, you, you take away their favorite toy and they go on the ground and they start crying and crying and crying and they can't breathe. I, uh, there was something that happened to Annette years ago, 17 years ago, before we were together. And, and I remember her telling me a story that she was under such a spiritual attack as she laid in her bed. She felt like, uh, felt like demonic presence sitting on her chest. Let me read a scripture to you. You don't need to turn there. It's in Job chapter 9, verse 18. Now, Job is, this is Job's reply. And we, we understand Job thought everything was coming through God. And so that was his perception. That was his mindset. You know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Job said that, but that's not true about God. People use that. that say, well, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. That's, bless his holy name. Job made that statement, but it's not a true statement. But Job makes a statement in Job 9, verse 18, in the Amplified, he says, He will not allow me to catch my breath, but fills me with bitterness. Job was, what was Job talking? He's talking about, I've experienced so many attacks, I've experienced so many things. And what is Job saying? He goes, I can't catch my breath. I can't breathe. Say that with me, I can't breathe. And it said, because he couldn't breathe, because all the attacks, it said he was filled with bitterness. I can't breathe. He told me something else, and I'll get to that in just a moment. I declare to you today that you are being revived. I declare the church overall is being revived. And I declare communities are being awakened. 
breath. I, I think I hear the this morning, even as even before I came out, the Lord just ministered something more to me about this. And he goes, this same cry of I can't breathe was really the same cry that came from the children of Israel when they were under the bondage of the Egyptians. Egyptians represents the, the world system and the world, the way, the way the world does things. And, 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 and Exodus chapter, uh, end of Exodus chapter two, they said the cries came up to God. Cries came up because of the reason of their bondage. But in Exodus three, God says, I will come down and I will deliver them. You have to understand God's very nature is he wants to bring life. God's very nature is to bring life. When he took Adam and he formed him out of the dust of the ground and he stood him up, it was, it was just a lump of clay. It was just dust. It was something that he had formed. It was almost like a mannequin, so to speak, but nothing changed until God breathed life into him. Go to Isaiah chapter 42, Isaiah chapter 42, Holy Spirit, help me this morning. Isaiah 42. Our society is so overwhelmed and so, so much pressure, so much tension, so much of being overwhelmed that it's, it's something is sitting on humanity spiritually and they can't breathe. But I want you to see God's heart this morning. Isaiah chapter 42, just for the sake of time, we'll read verse, just verse five. He says, thus says the Lord, the God, the Lord, he that created the heavens, stretched them out. He that spread forth the earth in that which cometh out of it. He that giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. See, this is the nature of God when he created it. What does he do? He breathes life into people. There was a time 20 some years ago when I, I could not breathe, not just, not just spiritually, but physically I couldn't breathe because of a respiratory issue. And it was his breath. It was his presence. It was his life breathing on the inside of me that changed me from the inside out. Hallelujah. He that gives, giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk in it. Hallelujah. Revival. Revi personal revival. God wants to breathe on you. Hallelujah. God wants to blow on you. There is a spiritual wind that is, is blowing across the world today and is God wanting to revive his church, to revive you, to revive the church and to wake the community. Jesus was talking to the disciples after he had risen from the dead and he was, he was ministering to the disciples and it said they believe, be, believed on him and all of a sudden he looked at them and it said he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. What, what, what happened? They were dead spiritually. What Adam lost and all humanity wants a man to die. Through one man's disobedience, death became upon all men. But through one man's obedience, life came, Right? 
And, and, and so, so Jesus breathed on them and, and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And that's when they were made a new creation. That's not when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit. If that's when they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, why would he tell them to go to Jerusalem until they be filled with it? This was when they got born again. See, man, man was just a, a lump of clay. God breathed life into him. Man was walking around as, as a dead man. But when Jesus breathed life into him, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm telling you, God breathed on you. We see this so well in, in Ezekiel chapter 36 or 37 when, when he's having a conversation with the prophet and, and God says, can these bones live? And, and the prophet says, you know, Lord, only you know, Lord. And God makes a statement to him and says, I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. I love that. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Revival. Revival. Hallelujah. Say this. I'm having a personal revival. We're having a corporate revival. And we are having a community awakening. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Go to Isaiah 57. So God's nature is to breathe life into situations. Now let's look at Isaiah 57. Isaiah 57, verse 15. It says, For thus says the Lord, the high and lofty one, he who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place, but with him also who is a thoroughly penitent and a humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the thoroughly penitent. The King James says, says this, for thus says the high and lofty one, one that is inhabited eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and the holy place with him also is of a contrite and a humble spirit to do what? To revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. See, we just looked at the nature of God in 40 in Isaiah 42, that he breathes breath into his people. And here, what do we see? We see that, what does he do? He, he revives the heart of the humble. He revives. He revives the heart of the contrite. What's a contrite heart? A heart that's crushed. A heart that's oppressed. You see, God wants a revival to take place across our nation. As you turn on the news, as you look at things, you, you see things, you see the hurt, the turmoil, the, the pain, the, the, uh, the disgust. You see so many things happening on the inside of heart of humanity. And the only thing that will answer the situation is God breathing on them. The only thing that will change the situation is God reviving the heart of the crushed and the oppressed. Like I said, as we took communion, there's things that need to happen in this nation and they can only happen by the spirit. They can only happen by the spirit. They can only happen by the spirit of God. Thank you, Father. Good. Uh, Psalms 138. Thank you, Father. 
Thank you, Father. So God breathes breath into those that can't breathe. And God revives those that are crushed and oppressed. Psalms 138 verse 7 says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble. And that word trouble there means distress. Though I walk in the midst of distress, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy and love and kindness, O Lord, endure forever. And you forsake not the words, you, say, you forsake not the work of your hands. He forsakes not the work of his hands. You know what? You're the work of his hands. Those people, the people that you see hurting, the people that you see peacefully protesting, even the people that may be dealing, doing destruction and looting and those things. I'm telling you, those are the work of his hands. I'm not saying what they're doing is the work of his hands. I'm just saying they are the work of his hands. And he wants to bring personal revivals to our nation. Though I walk in trouble, though I'm distressed, he will revive me. Just lift your hands up for a moment and say, Father, I thank you that you're reviving me. And I thank you, Lord, that you are perfecting that which concerns me. I welcome revival. Change my thinking. Change my perspective. In Jesus' name. Revival. A number of years ago, I actually 20 years ago, Dr. Savell preached a message. And it was right before, it was when we were in Bible school and it was, it was right before we went on break and he talked to us for three days and he talked about, he, one of the things he talked about was holiness. But uh, as he talked, he was talking about revival and he was talking about how uh, all the research he had done about past revivals and, and all these revivals come back to a place of sending yourself on the things that are a priority. You know, we talked about simplify, reduce down to the basic essentials. And he, he, he taught, taught us so many things about that life of revival and the pursuit of revival. And, and so I'm saying that because I want to tie into what the Lord spoke to me when I woke up on Friday morning. The first thing he said was, I can't breathe. And then he said, the world needs CPR. I'm like, CPR? You mean card- <laughs> cardiovascular pulmonary resuscitation? <laughs> He goes, they need CPR. I'm like, Lord, what, what is CPR? He goes, in order for revival to take place, they need CPR. The church needs CPR. So he told me what CPR is. You want to know what CPR is? Yeah. You have to wait till two weeks from now. No, I'm just... <laughs> CPR means coming into his presence and receive. Coming into his presence and receive. 
He said, the world needs to, for revival to take place. It's not about trying to figure out anything up here, but it's about coming into my presence and receive. The hurt that people are facing and experiencing cannot be solved in any way, but through the work of the Holy Spirit. And there's some things we're going to get in about the Spirit of God and about what the Spirit of God does. But this is just to lay a foundation for I, where I believe in the things that I'm to share with you about revival, coming into his presence and receive. You see, that day that, that I had that respiratory disease, January 23rd of 1993, when I, you've heard my story, working at a liquor store, and, and I was on my sister's couch, and, and I cried out to God, told God I loved him, and, and he came in. What, what did I do? I, I came into his presence, and I received. Not only did it change me in my physical body, but all, it changed me in my soul. It started transforming the way I thought, how I did things. Coming into his presence and receiving. Go to Acts chapter 3. Thank you, Father. Acts 3. For the sake of time, we'll just do verse 19. I'm going to read the Amplified. Now, before I read this, let me, let me talk about this. Come into his presence and receive. Now, when we use the word come, we have to understand it's all about a change of position. You know, if I tell my son to come here, what am I wanting him to do? I'm wanting him to change his location. I'm wanting him to change his position. And so when we talk about coming to his presence and receiving, it's about one, I'm having to change something about me. I'm having to change my location. I'm to change my perspective. I have to change what I think is important. I have to change what might be a priority. I have to change something in my thinking, my, my perspective in my life. Come into his presence and receive. So often we want God to manifest and we want God to move, but we haven't gotten up yet. We sit back and say, God, I sure hope you do something about what's going on. I, God, I sure hope you're doing something in our nation, but have you, have you put yourself in a position to receive? Come into his presence and receive. Come into his presence and receive. And we see in Acts chapter three, verse 19 in the amplified, he says, so repent. Now this word repent, we know it's changing a mindset. It's not just asking, um, you know, forgiveness of sin. It's changing where you, how you're walking, the direction you're walking, the place you're headed, repent. And in the amplified, I love says, change your mind and purpose, turn around and return to God. So in order for, for repentance, this isn't me asking forgiveness of something, but it's changing a direction I'm headed. Change your mind and purpose, turn around, return to God that your sins may be erased. 
blotted out, wiped clean. That times of refreshing, of recovery from the effects of heat, of the reviving with fresh air may come from the presence of the Lord. Revival happens, begins when we change directions. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not about earning anything. It's not about doing enough to, to be awarded revival. It's just all begins when God, I'm coming, I'm coming out of where I've been and I'm going to come into where you are and receive. Come, come. Hallelujah. You got time for three more scriptures. Let's look at some scriptures about this. Matthew 11. CPR, come into his presence and receive. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, that your presence is here. And as your presence is here, even in the, as the word is going forth, I thank you that burdens are being lifted. Hallelujah. We come into your presence. There's another thing. You can come into church, but still not come into his presence. You can be here, but not be here. (laughs) Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 11. Verse 18. Come unto me, all ye that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So So this is the promise that Jesus has given. So we understand rest is a promise from Jesus. But yet there's a prerequisite to this rest. What's the, what's the prerequisite? Come unto me, all that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So see, revive you. I will revive you and I will give you rest. When you come unto me, I'll revive you and I'll give you rest. Hallelujah. When you come unto me, all that are labor and heavy laden, all those that are pressured, all those that you have something, all those that can't breathe. If you come unto me, I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I'm meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest under your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what does it come unto me? Come unto me. You need peace today? Come unto him. You need, you need joy today? Come unto him. It's only going to be found in him. You need revival today? You've got to come unto him. Hallelujah. Come unto me, all that are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Go to Hebrews chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Hebrews 4, verse 14. It says, seeing then that you have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of, the, the feeling of our infirmities. What are infirmities? Weaknesses, pressure. So he knows where you're at. He knows what's going on on the inside of you in your soul. 
your mind, your will, and your emotions. It says he's touched with the feeling of those infirmities. Buzz was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Then he says this, let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that what we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, when we come to the right place, we can receive what we need. But so often people are trying to find their peace in the same thing. They're trying to, you know, it's often you keep watching things, keep listening to things, keep posting things, keep meditating on things. You know what? It's never going to change the situation. It's going to make you more mad, going to make you more upset. But yet when I come to him, right, when I come to him, he's going to give me rest. When I come to him, when I come boldly unto him, he's going to give me grace and help in time of need. That's, that's revival. When God shows up with his grace on your life, that's revival. His grace is his ability working in you. His grace is his ability working through you. His grace is his anointing to empower you, to quicken you, to strengthen you. But it all begins when you make that decision to leave your place of hurt, to leave your place of depression, to leave your place that is your place of bondage and enter into his presence. All of a sudden, those things fall off. Those things change. Those things. And all of a sudden, you see things differently. And when you see things differently, you make different choices. You have different actions. Revival. Revival. I agree with Kenneth Hagin prophesied that these are the last days. And I believe it's time for us to come up higher. Let's go to Revelation chapter 22. Thank you, Father, for personal revival. Hallelujah. I declare that he is breathing on you. As he breathes on you, I thank you that he is giving you life. Revelations 22, verse 17 in the Amplified, it says, The Holy Spirit and the bride, the church, the true Christians say, come. So the Holy Spirit and the bride, which is the church, they say, come. And let him who is listening say, come. And let everyone Come who is thirsty. Now, now think about it. We have the Holy Spirit and the bride saying, come. (laughs) Let him who is listening. So the people that are hearing the church say, let them say, come. And let everyone who is, let everyone come who is thirsty. I'm telling you, you'll never be filled with something greater until you're tired of the old. You'll never be filled with something greater until you're tired of the way things have been going. Come and let everyone come who is thirsty. Now, who is thirsty? Who is painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed. The painful, painfully conscious of his need of those things by which the soul is refreshed. Supported and strengthened. We, now, if you look at the news, you look at whatever, there is, there is society that is painfully conscious of what their soul needs. 
They just don't know what they need. Hallelujah. And it says, and whoever earnestly desires to do it, let him come and take appropriate, take appropriate and drink the water of life without cost. Come. I tell you, there's a world out there that can't breathe. And the answer is CPR. Come into his presence and receive. Let me close with this. Psalm 16. Psalm 16. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come into his presence and receive. Now let's look at verse 8. Now this is a prophetic scripture, messianic prophecy, speaking of Jesus. And he says, I will bless the Lord. Verse 8 says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he's at my right hand, I shall not be moved. I've set the Lord always before me and I shall not be moved. There's some things that you need to stop keeping before you. There's some of you in here that could be pornography. That's some of you in here. It could be, it could be uh, anger. It could be abuse. It could be how you're treating other people. It could be, it could be a spirit of racism. It could be, there's some things that you're keeping before you that you need to remove from your attention. What does he say here? I have set the Lord always before me because as my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall rest in hope. Now, why is he saying all this? Because he says this, for that will not leave my soul in hell. Wow. So here we see this messianic prophecy that we see speaking from Jesus perspective that he's in hell. He's looking at things from a place of discouragement. He's looking at things from a place of, uh, of struggle, from a place of pain, something being separated from God. But it didn't matter what was happening around him or what was happening going on in him and where he was at. He said, I still choose to see God. I still choose to keep God as my affection. I still choose to see God as the one that's in front of me. I set him before me. And because of that, my heart is glad. See, there, there, you can be in the midst of torment, but yet your heart still be glad. You can be walking through hell, but yet still your heart is not overwhelmed. For that will not leave my soul in hell. Neither will you suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Verse 11, thou will show me the path of life. And in thy presence is fullness of joy. Thank you, Father. You will show me. Why does he keep the Lord before him? Even he's in the midst of hell. You will show me the path of life. You're going to direct me out of this. You're going to direct me through this. In thy presence. Come, come into his presence and receive. Why? Because in his presence is 
fullness. I'm telling you, when... Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Richard, can you come here for a second? Can you hold that plate for me? You come into his presence and say, this, this is you. You're empty. You need revival. You need a personal revival. Because you know what? You can't, you, you can't, we can't have a corporate revival until this is starting to fill up. So you pour out a little bit, but yet, yet you're still not full. But when you come into his presence and receive, when something flows in, that's revival happening. So when you come into his presence, there's fullness of joy. There is fullness of joy. You see, so as revival is happening, I'm getting filled up. I'm getting full. You see, when you get full, there's no other room for anything else. And see, see the, the church as a whole, I believe, has been satisfied with just a little dabble, do you? But I'm telling you, when Jesus established the church on the day of Pentecost, when God sent the Holy Spirit, a wind, a wind, and the breath of God came on them in the book of Acts, the church was established and it was never to be something that was to continue to be empty. And live from dab to dab. No, it was to constantly be filled. Constantly be filled. Constantly be filled. So I'm, tell, I'm telling us as a church, there's time for personal revival. And it's only going to happen when you and I choose to come into his presence and receive. That when you, 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 well, you, you wake up on Monday morning, you come into his presence and you receive. You can't wait to get here on a Sunday, on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night because you're coming in and you're bringing your supply. You're coming in and you're bringing your fullness. And as you bring your fullness, then all of a sudden we step into a corporate revival. And all of a sudden we're flowing out. And when it flows out, it starts not just flowing out of this, but then starts flowing out of the church. And then the community awakens. We can have like Evan Roberts where, where, where such a revival hit the Welsh revival that all the bars closed, all the, all the, all the, the prostitute places closed, all the things closed around it. Why? Because Evan got so full, then the church got so full and all of a sudden it changed the dynamics of community. Thank you, father. The world is at a place where they can't breathe. And the answer isn't legislation. The answer isn't natural things. The answer is coming into his presence and receiving. Because I mean, right there, that's where your mind changes. That's where your heart changes. That's where you get vision for a greater future. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your presence today. And I thank you for this word today. To awaken us. To strengthen us. Thank you for beginning something by your spirit today. I thank you for revival in our hearts today. A personal revival. 
Father, I ask you to breathe. Those that are discouraged today, breathe on them. If you came in here with heaviness on you or discouragement on you today, just stand to your feet. Maybe there's a sickness in your body. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for breathing on this place today. Holy Spirit, work. And continue to work long after we leave this building. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you for recovery of life in the name of Jesus. I thank you for a returning from activity, from a state of being weary or oppressed. I thank you for a recovery from a state of neglect. A recovery from a state of being unimportant. Father, I thank you for renewed attention to spiritual things. I thank you for a reawakening to spiritual fervor. I thank you for a greater passion. If you say, Pastor Justin, I desire a greater passion for the things of God to burn in my life. Just stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Dr. Savell, did you have anything? Thank you. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Just lift your hands. Just repeat this after me. Father God, God, I thank you for personal revival today. I thank you you for burning within me me a hunger for your presence. Because you said those that would hunger and thirst would be filled. I thank you for fullness. Fullness. As we gather in the days ahead, I thank you for more fullness. Fullness of joy. Fullness of your presence. Fullness. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give him a shout of praise. Receive this word today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus.